Hey friends, and welcome to episode 198 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, time management coach and author of Time Management Essentials. And today's episode is all about the two most forgotten, underrated productivity strategies out there. The funny thing is, a lot of times when we decide that we are ready to level up our time management, to be more productive, to get more done, to have better mornings or whatever it is, we tend to start looking for answers in the planner aisle at Target, or maybe we search productivity in the app store, or we look for a list of 20 time hacks to help us shave off a few minutes here or there. Or maybe you'd hopped into your favorite podcast app and you landed here at It's About Time. And as happy as I am that you landed here, the real answer to feeling our best, managing our time and our energy well, being as productive as we can be, the answer is often overlooked, even though it's right under our noses. Well, actually, The answers are hiding in our fridge, in our pantry, and under our covers. If you've ever felt tired and unfocused all day long, I'm talking scatterbrained and drained, you're not alone. So if that sounds familiar, make sure to listen to this entire episode. Don't miss a minute to find out how to transform that scatterbrained and drained feeling into feeling laser-focused, energized, and ready to tackle anything that comes your way. In this episode, I'm telling you all about the surprising truth about how the food you eat impacts your ability to focus. I'll tell you how to identify the nutrients that you need to help you stay focused throughout the day. We'll talk about what the balance with sleep and nutrition can actually look like, And you'll walk away with three strategies for better sleep so you can wake up feeling great. And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and you're listening in the car while you're running errands or you're doing stuff around the house, I know it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes. And today's show notes can be found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 198. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. If you've listened to the show for a bit, you've probably heard me mention a time or two in recent episodes that I have toddlers, four-year-old Camilla and two-year-old Elizabeth. We call them Millie and Bitsy, and they are both in peak toddler mode right now, especially when they're together. But what I've found is that as long as we keep a pretty good routine and make sure they get enough sleep and have regular snack time, things go pretty well. Recently, 
I was super in the zone with my work. And I realized that I was beginning to get a little snappy, a little cranky, and a little hangry. And when I walked over to the pantry to grab a snack, I saw the bin with all the toddler snacks, the applesauce pouches, the fruit snacks, you know, the usual. And it reminded me that even though we are grownups, even though we're grownups with jobs and responsibilities, we're really just a bunch of grown-up toddlers. We feel our best when we're sticking to our routines, when we're getting enough sleep, and oh yeah, having regular snack time. Y'all, I'm gonna say it again. We are all just a bunch of grown-up toddlers, and we need good food and good rest to be our best. We all know that being able to focus on what's in front of us, whether that's work, the road, our family, it's an invaluable asset in our daily lives. We have to be able to concentrate in order to get really anything done. But have you ever considered how what you eat can impact your ability to focus? Now, I am certainly not a nutritionist. There are plenty of experts out there who are. But here's what I've learned about nutrition's impact on our ability to focus in my role as a time management coach. Even though our brains only make up about 2% of our body weight, it actually consumes about 20% of our body's daily energy intake. And what we consume, what we eat, provides the building blocks for our brain's intricate neural networks. Certain nutrients act as fuel for our cognitive engines, supporting memory, concentration, and our problem-solving abilities. And so here are three brain-boosting nutrients you need to know about so you can feel less scatterbrained and fuel your focus. First, omega-3 fatty acids. So these are found in fatty fish like salmon, flax seeds, and walnuts, and they're known to promote brain health and might even enhance our ability to think, our cognitive function. Who knew that a baked salmon roll from your favorite sushi place could help you think better? And by the way, have y'all ever had a baked salmon roll? It is unreal. One of my favorites. So consider adding a serving of fatty fish to your weekly menu or sprinkle some ground flax seeds on your morning yogurt, your oatmeal, or toss them in a smoothie. Add some chopped walnuts to a salad. These super simple changes can have a major impact on your brain health. So the second nutrient to know about are antioxidants. So antioxidants are abundant in colorful fruits and vegetables. Think berries, spinach, and kale, and also dark chocolate. And they help protect the brain from stress and inflammation. So think of these foods as your brain's BFF. Consider adding a handful of blueberries to your breakfast plate. Slice up some strawberries in your next salad. Test drive some green smoothie recipes that use spinach or kale. There are so many ways to incorporate fruits and vegetables into your diet, but let's talk about dark chocolate for a second. Dark chocolate, and I'm talking real dark chocolate, like 72% cacao and above. This is the good stuff. And one of the things I love about dark chocolate is that its slight bitterness means that I never want to devour an entire dark chocolate bar in a single sitting. Just one little square is usually enough. So next time you head to the grocery store, grab a bar of dark chocolate and have a little square after dinner. 
It's good for you. Think of the antioxidants. At least that's what I always tell myself. And then finally, water. Yes, our third nutrient is water. Again, this one is so often overlooked, but even mild dehydration can slow you down and impact your focus. Sometimes instead of grabbing another cup of coffee in hopes of perking yourself up, grab an ice water instead. And if you're not a huge fan of just plain Jane water, consider adding some lemon or sliced cucumber to add flavor. Or pick up some of those hydration packets with electrolytes like Liquid IV or Cure to add some flavor. To up your water intake, consider starting your day with a glass of water before you down your first cup of coffee. Coffee is naturally dehydrating. And after sleeping all night, you're already starting your day a little bit dehydrated. So gulp down some water before having your coffee and get ahead of your hydration game. And then if you typically drink coffee or soda during the day, always grab a water to drink with it or to drink afterward. I never go through the drive-through for a cup of coffee without also asking for at least a tall ice water. Plus, I like keeping a giant water cup on my desk with me during the day, so I'm never without something to sit nearby. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Now, if the first forgotten productivity strategy is brain-building, focus-enhancing foods, the next strategy we tend to overlook is getting enough sleep. I don't know about y'all, but I was a huge fan of pulling all-nighters during finals week in college. 
Parkinson's Law states that work expands to fill the time available, and it definitely filled up my late nights in the wee hours before big exams. Y'all, I had this little red ice chest that I'd fill up with cans of Dr. Pepper, and I would lug it with me to study with friends, wired and tired, trying to cram as much knowledge as I could before test time. And then... After test was over and pencils were down, I would zombie walk back to my dorm and crash. My grades probably would have been a lot better had I gotten a good night's sleep instead. Sleep plays a pivotal role in our cognitive function, and its impact on our ability to focus is undeniable. To understand this connection better, let's take a quick peek into the world of sleep. Our sleep cycle consists of different stages, including rapid eye movement or REM sleep and non-REM sleep. Each stage serves a unique purpose, from memory consolidation to emotional regulation. During deep sleep, our brain processes and consolidates information that we gather during the day. It's kind of like organizing a mental filing system that enhances our ability to recall facts, solve problems, and make decisions. So how does sleep impact our ability to concentrate? Well, a well-rested brain is like a finely tuned engine. It's alert, responsive, and ready to tackle challenges. On the flip side, sleep deprivation can lead to reduced attention span, decreased alertness, and impaired decision-making. It's important to note that sleep deprivation doesn't just come from pulling an all-nighter. Even consistently getting less sleep than your body needs can have cumulative effects on your focus and cognitive abilities. The CDC recommends that adults get seven to nine hours of sleep each night to support our brain's ability to function optimally. And remember, I have two toddlers. Sleep doesn't always come easy at our house. It seems like lately I'm waking up in my two-year-old's bed with her 50% of the week. Or one of them decides that we should start the day at 5 a.m. after my husband Scott and I maybe stayed up a little later than usual the night before to watch the latest episode of whatever show we're watching. Right now, it's Loki on Disney+. Plus. So these three strategies are just as much for me as they are for you. So let's see how we can take these three strategies to get the quality sleep that our brain deserves. First, one of the most critical aspects of sleep hygiene, which is just a fancy way of saying good sleep habits, is maintaining a consistent sleep schedule. Going to bed and waking up at the same time every day, even on weekends, helps your body's internal clock and it improves your sleep quality. Designing a consistent evening and morning routine can help you be more consistent with your sleep. So head all the way back to episode 17 and learn how to create those two routines and make them stick. Second, your sleep environment matters more than you might think. Make sure your bedroom is ready for rest. It should be dark, quiet, and cool. Investing in a comfortable mattress and pillows can make a world of difference. Adding blackout curtains or shades to reduce any outside light can also be a game changer. Honestly, I love the idea of creating a whole experience to help you settle down into sleep. And now that I've learned just how important sleep is, I'm okay with being a little extra about it. I never sleep without a silk eye mask, and I recently added a silk pillowcase to my nighttime collection. 
Plus, my pillow itself is a memory foam pillow made specifically for side sleepers like me. On my nightstand, I keep this cute little pineapple-shaped diffuser, and I love to diffuse doTERRA Adaptive Calming Blend about 30 minutes before I plan to go to sleep. And when I forget to set the diffuser, I spritz a lavender pillow spray that I keep in my nightstand drawer. And I can't believe that there was a time that I didn't sleep without a sound machine. We have the Dom Yoga Sleep sound machine, and I absolutely love it. But when I'm traveling, like for speaking engagements, I just use a white noise app. And last thing here, we have one of those thermostats that you can set to change at different times of day. So we always automatically lower the temp in the house before bed because we know that we all sleep so much better when the room is cooler. Okay, but even with a consistent sleep schedule and a comfortable sleep environment, your sleep can still be disrupted if you forget about this next strategy. And that is winding down before bedtime. I know it probably sounds like a no-brainer, but incorporating wind-down activities into your evening is huge. Things like dimming the overhead lights and switching to lamps, putting away blue light-emitting screens. You know that blue light? Everybody knows by now that the blue light can interfere with your body's natural production of melatonin, the hormone that regulates sleep. Another way to wind down is to avoid watching stressful TV shows or movies and try not to do work right before bed. Avoid eating and working out at least two hours before bedtime. Eating close to bedtime can impact your digestion and working out too close to bedtime can make falling asleep more challenging. Drinking alcohol too close to bedtime can also impact your sleep. And I feel like a lot of this wind down talk has been mostly focused on not doing things. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't work out too close to bedtime. Don't look at blue light. But here are some things that you could consider adding to your bedtime routine to really prepare for a good night's sleep. Things like deep breathing, meditation, gentle yoga, or stretching. After I had Elizabeth, my second daughter, my pelvic floor physical therapist gave me a list of exercises to do before bed each night. And I swear, I always slept so soundly after doing the gentle stretches she prescribed. Sometimes now, when I'm feeling wired in the evenings, I'll go back through that stretching routine to wind down. So now that we've covered the importance of both nutrition and sleep, now it's time to put it all together. Balancing nutrition and sleep isn't just about adopting strict rules or rigid routines. It's about creating a lifestyle that supports your overall well-being, focus, and productivity goals. So there you have it. To recap, we've learned about the brain-boosting power of omega-3 fatty acids, antioxidants, and hydration. These nutrients provide the fuel your brain needs to stay sharp and focused. On the sleep front, We've explored the stages of sleep, the brain-boosting benefits of restorative rest, and the importance of good sleep hygiene. A consistent sleep schedule, a comfortable sleep environment, and wind-down practices like meditation or stretching are all key for having your best night's sleep ever and making being well-rested a regular thing. Before you head into the rest of your day, take a minute to reflect on your own nutrition and sleep habits. 
What changes can you make to better support your focus and productivity? What's one thing you've learned in this episode that you can put into action today or tomorrow? As we wrap up this episode, remember that achieving your ideal balance between nutrition and sleep is a personal journey. It's probably going to require some experimentation, a little bit of trial and error, but the results are oh so worth it to avoid feeling scatterbrained and drained. As always, all of the details from today's episode can be found over in the show notes, and today's show notes are at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 198. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.